it's okay if you feel the fear. Mm. And the second you say to yourself, it's okay, your stomach relaxes and you can do a better job. You know, so so those are some of the steps. And then just also recognizing, you know, our, our brains are always telling us stories. And, and I heard, I heard um, it's on, um, there's this app I love, it's called Healthy Minds. And it, it's based in neuroscience. And the guy was talking about how our brains are always telling us stories. The problem is our brain cannot determine between fact and fiction. So it makes up stuff to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's good, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, first of all, you are now tuned in to the We Don't Play station where we offer information based on entertainment, culture, society, digital marketing, Pinterest marketing. We talk about a lot of things. So you guys are so blessed and privileged and I'm so blessed and honored to help you navigate through the digital marketing land space and give you a solid platform that you can use digital marketing for your benefit when you use this to create content for people to, you know, create content everywhere so that they can actually understand who you are and how you can, you know, build with them. So we have a guest and her name is Bobby. I can't wait for you guys to see her and connect with her. So tune in. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so pleased to be here. Thanks for asking me. Wow. Like I'm thinking about the topic. I'm thinking about who you are, what you do. And there's so much for us to actually bring to the table. And I, I just want people to know more of you and have an idea of, you know, what they're getting themselves into. Because when they see <laughs> when they see people, they're like, what is she going to say? What is he going to say? But I think today it's really based on how to just start. And mm-hmm. that's a topic that I want us to discuss, but I want to first give you the opportunity to let us know about you and what you do and, you know, just let people open up the room for you. Nice. Well, thank you. So I'm a coach and essentially, I mean, I do a lot of stuff, but essentially what I do is I help people uh, find and, and, and see new opportunities for themselves, new possibilities that maybe before they didn't even really knew, you know, know that those were available to them. So it's seeing those new possibilities as well as then how do we pursue those opportunities and keep going. And, and I would say that favorite, my, um, I, I think that a lot of my work is really based on three fundamental truths. Number one, the future can be changed. We're not locked into anything that's happened so far. That's, yeah. that's just what's happened. The second one is that you can change your own future. Right. We don't have to wait for someone to rescue us. We, we have the power to do that for ourselves. Right. And I think that when we get to that place, that's a really powerful thing to believe in. It and is. then third is that we don't have to wait. A lot of times people think, well, I have to have everything lined up. No, you can get started at any point. So that's a little bit about me. Wow. I, I love the fact that you can just start at any point. And sometimes people don't think because... They, they think about what they want to do, but they don't think about how it would take them the time to actually process that so that they can be able to enjoy the benefits later. But they're already stuck in the now. Like you said, the future is not like we can see it, but we don't really know how it's going to go because it could go any way. But at the same time, you don't want to be stuck on staying thinking that, OK, this is where we're going to be and this is how we're going to move and then you get stuck in your own thinking. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this happened, well, I don't know if it happened for me, but it was part of my story is that, you know, when I was 23, my predictable future, it wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was, I was barely keeping my head above water. I was working two jobs um, for about, I don't know, probably totaling close to 80 hours a week. Whoa. Um, so I was working at two jobs. I, I was eating, you know, macaroni and tuna salad <laughs> pretty much every night. And, and the way that my life was going, that, that wasn't going to change. I had to change something about it. And I think that's one of the reasons I just really believe in that so much is that the past doesn't, it doesn't determine where we can go. It's just where we are. You know, and, and at this point, I've coached over 3,000 people. And so I, I know that to be true. It's, it's just our starting place. What we do next is up to us and we can change the outcome. Now, people think that starting is easy, but at the same time, mentally, it's hard to overcome. So that starting point is already a problem to start with. So how do they get themselves out of that stuck mentality without being simple about their exit plan? Yeah. So here's what I, I, I tend to be a little bit of a visual person. And so the metaphor that I think of is when I was growing up, I grew up on a Creek and it was in Northern Illinois. So we always had the spring thaw. And what would always happen is there was a little dam on the Creek and logs would come down and they'd get stuck above the dam, you know, and they'd sit there and they'd swirl and they'd swirl and they'd swirl. And it was fascinating to me that as soon as one log became free and went over the dam, all the other logs followed suit. And so I kind of think of this the same way, right? We all, the thing that we're trying to do is get some kind of momentum. And the first step, <laughs> just like the first log, it's always the hardest. So I think about it this way. There, there are kind of three things that we can do here um, to start with. Number one is don't think that you have to have all of the steps lined out, right? You don't. Some people think that way. And for those people who think that way, that's amazing. It works for them. But so many people don't, and we get stuck there. And so instead, if, if you're one of those people where you don't have all the steps, fine. Acknowledge that and just think, okay, well, what's the direction that I want to go? And it doesn't, it can be a little bit vague even. The key here is when we're stuck, the key is to get started. So pick a direction, number one. The second thing we want to do is really think about, okay, well, what is an action I can take? Even if it's wrong, the key is to start moving. And I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, we like to plan and I'll, I see people and they're like, well, what, what if it's, what if I take an action and it's wrong? So what, if you learn from it, how can it be wrong? So, so the next thing really is to pick an action and, and get moving. And an action can be anything like, um, you know, I, I think I want to start a podcast just for an example, yeah. right? Well, then here are some actions, right? Talk to people who have done it, you know, read about it, um, you know, anything to bring in that kind of information. So, so any kind of action um, and it can be trying something new, who knows, but an action so that we can learn from it. Because the third step is to what I call learn your way forward. And that's why we don't have to wait because my belief is that we can learn what we need to learn along the way, right? Mm. Cause think about everything that you've had to learn in your life. Some of the stuff that we've learned, we didn't even know we had to learn it until we got into it. And that's what makes it beautiful. And that's what makes it 
I don't know, very fluid. And so anyway, those are kind of my, my high level steps there. That's amazing. And I would think of some of the steps and mistakes people actually tend to make and break that people apply when they're starting something new because there's a question I asked one day and it really made a lot of sense and I don't know where it came from but it just came to me and I was like when was the last time you tried something for the first time yeah yeah and that I was actually listening to one of your podcast interviews and you talked about that and I'm like that is a great question podcast guest and he was talking about I mean he, and he's successful and one of his friends said to him when is the last time you failed at something mm. and, and, and his friend's point was you know yeah you operate maybe a little bit outside your comfort zone but not so far that you'll fail and, and it's like sometimes that's what we need is um, you know pushing ourselves a little bit farther than we think we can go because that's to, you know that's where we grow and we know that yeah, exactly. And I think once you feel uncomfortable that you're in a space that you can grow and get comfortable in, like think about your bed. You know, you can't sleep on the same bed. <laughs> you know, you have to grow out of it at some point. <laughs> you can't always have a little airplane bed or whatever we had when we were a kid. You have to, you have to progress. <laughs> exactly. And I think if people think about that simple logic of actually creating that intention, then it becomes better because the limitations are less and now the confidence is over the roof. But now fear of the unknown is now where we get crippled. That's right. That's right. And something else you've said there is um, confidence grows. You know, our confidence comes from when we take on a new challenge or when we take on something new, whether it's a challenge or not, and then we, we achieve or, or we learn something that's how we build confidence. It's it's really hard to build confidence in something if we're just observing. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Observing something is like, because people observe through visual learning, but sometimes yeah. they have to apply that to really find their own workflow. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about that, I think um, I used to love to play softball when I was a kid. And uh, my, my, my older sister, Nanette, was amazing. Like, she played semi-pro ball. And I always wanted to be as good as Nanette. And I, she, she just was she, – she's a, a rare athlete. She's that good. And I was always afraid of striking out. So I'd be up there in the batter's box, and I, I'd, you know, I'd tense up, and I, I didn't want to swing because I didn't want to strike out. And so what happens is you strike out, and you just don't even swing. So you're not even giving your chance of getting a hit. Yeah. And I came back to the bench, and my sister and Nanette's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I don't want to strike out. And she's like, newsflash, if you don't swing the bat, you can't get a hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, duh. <laughs> but think about that all the time. Because it, it's true in so many aspects of our lives, right? We have to have, and this is what Annette told me, my sister. She's like, you have to have the courage. You have to find the courage to get that bat off of your shoulder. So what if you strike out? At least you're giving yourself the chance. So I think about that quite a bit. <laughs> that's that's beautiful because people don't give themselves a chance to try. No, because we don't want to fail or we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to look stupid. All those things that chatter in our head. Exactly. And speaking about chatters in the head too, what kind of way would somebody be able to manage that voice in their head that discourages them from taking that action? Yeah. First of all, and this is one of the most important parts of it, recognize the reason that voice is there. It's there to keep us safe, right? 
because the brain thinks that we're safer when we're, you know, not stepping so far out. So recognize it's there to keep us safe. The second thing is don't waste energy on judging that voice. Mm. Because the second we start to judge that voice or feel bad about that voice or criticize ourselves, the voice has done its job because it's trying to distract us from taking action. Yeah. You know, so those are those are really two big important things. And then I think the third one is to really think about it like, okay, like be aware of, okay, this is what's going on. This is why it's going on. And really, number one, after that point would be to acknowledge it. Like I used to coach people who wanted to be professional speakers. And, and many people have a fear of public speaking, right? And you feel that fear right before you step on the stage. And so a lot of people are like, oh gosh, you know, I, I shouldn't be afraid and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's okay if you feel the fear. Mm. And the second you say to yourself, it's okay, your stomach relaxes and you can do a better job. You know, so so those are some of the steps. And then just also recognizing, you know, our, our brains are always telling us stories. And, and I heard, I heard um, it's on, um, there's this app I love, it's called Healthy Minds. And it, it's based in neuroscience. And the guy was talking about how our brains are always telling us stories. The problem is our brain cannot determine between fact and fiction. So it makes up stuff to tell us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. He likened it to a crazy sportscaster who can't stop talking. So it's, it's up to us to recognize what's going on and say, hey, thank you very much. Um, it's okay if I feel this way. And then finally choose, even if it's to take a small action in that, in that direction and just see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? It, and it's, it's probably not going to happen, Right. You know, but then test it, you know, put yourself out there, test it, see if it happened and, and then adjust in the future. Exactly. And sometimes when you're making that change, you have to get adaptable. You have to get very flexible. You may have earlier mornings. Yeah, you might have later nights and people don't like hearing those things because they love their sleep, you know? So, yeah. so I think, I think yeah. the best way to really try to be more physically there and mentally there is to be prepared to now become in control of what you actually want to let people know because now it's no longer hey guys i'm here who's who's online it's now like i'm here to talk about this and if you're not interested it's not for you and that's fine so people have their own audiences but sometimes people think about this they want to start but how do they just start when they're pursuing something that's new or making a change in their lives that they're not used to yeah and I think you said something there that was really important too with the, um, cause it reminds me of the fear of, well, what if other people, how will other people perceive it? Right. How will people, what will people think about me if I try this? And again, that's where we tell ourselves stories about, well, you know, well, people will think this or they'll think that, you know? Um, so kind of what I hear it, you say, you're asking there is, you know, how do we, how do we start maybe when we have some fear? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that there are like four main steps there. The first is number one, the fear continues to grow unless we take action. So the longer we wait, the more the fear that it's going to get bigger and bigger in our minds. So a simple, I love, I love cross country skiing. Um, 
and I live in the Rocky Mountains at about 9,000 feet. So we're in the middle of the Rockies and cross-country skiing here, it's not flat. And But I grew up in the Midwest, which is really flat. <laughs> so doing hills is scary to me. And it's funny because like in, in cross-country skiing, if you're going to ski, if you're going to ski down something, you also have to ski up it. Yeah. And, um, and, and so when I see a hill that scares me, cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so big. It's like, that's when I need to tackle it. Because if I think, Oh, I'll wait till next time it grows in my mind, how big that hill is. And usually if you just go up there and, and you ski it, it's not that bad. And so what if you fall, you know, my husband puts it this way cause he grew up skiing. And he's like, if you're not falling occasionally, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Mm. And, and, and I think there's a lot of wisdom to that, mm. you know? So, so that's number one, recognizing fear continues to grow unless we take action. The second thing is to accept the fear as a normal part of growth, right? Cause there's, and I don't know whose model this is, but I love it. But there's, I think there's four zones. There's a comfort zone. There's the fear zone, there's the learning zone, and then there's the growth zone. So when we say, hey, you know what? Fear is a normal part of me learning. It's a normal way to grow. And I have to move through that to get to the learning, to get to the growth. We start to relax. It's like, yeah, of course. Of course I feel a little bit of fear. So, so that's the first two. And then finally acknowledge it. And that's a little bit like what I said earlier. Don't judge it, don't obsess about it. Because again, when we obsess about it, that keeps us. So, so it's basically like, okay, I feel the fear and I'm going anyway. Mm. And, and then, so then when we really feel stuck, I would say, pick the very smallest action you can take. The very smallest action. Like I remember this one time I was out skiing and it was a real, it looked like a wall. It was, it was steep and I was terrified. And my husband's like, what if you skied up a third of the way and turned around and came down it? Ooh. Because that way you're not doing the whole thing. Right. Right? And that was like, okay. And I did that. I'm like, well, that wasn't that hard. So he's like, okay, go halfway up and try it. So sometimes that's what we need to do. It's it's a way to just, you know, start those baby steps. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. It now makes it even better because you're not focusing on that last step. You're focusing about the step that will make you get there. And sometimes people don't even want to step on it because they don't know if it's hot, cold, lava, (laughs) (laughs) you know what it is. is. (laughs) Exactly. And I think, but it's something to get us, to get us trying because if we start trying, yeah. Yeah. Once we start trying, I think people, people get surprised by what they do. If you think about it. Yeah. They really do. I think we do get surprised by what we're capable of, you know? And I think part of this too is just from, I mean, I think about the people that I've coached and sometimes when people feel really stuck, I think it's because, you know, our lives are so busy that it's hard to fit something new in, you know what I mean? Or it's hard to even give it that time and attention. And I think that's the other thing we need to do. There's really think about how do I create time for something new? And, and a time doesn't have to be a day, right? It could be an extra 20 minutes in the morning or whatever it might be, you know, depending on what you're trying to do. But how do I create the space for this to happen? Because if we're, I, I know this is true for me, like when I'm super busy and, and before COVID, I was traveling all the time, on the road all the time. And it's like, oh, I, I don't have the mental space to take on something new right now. And so sometimes we need that to open up a little bit. 
Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that time of trusting the process also makes a big play because sometimes you may want to be getting that future value, but that future value can only come if you stay consistent with your present value. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say present value, tell me more there. Now, I, I said it in two ways. I said it both in a financial perspective and also from a mental perspective. So when you're thinking about what you want to have presently, you're working with what you have constructively. But with a future value in mind, what is your appraisal? What What is something that you want to actually have as your your pivot? Now, that value is determined by how you spend that time with what you have right now, because that's what's going to make room for more. That's right. That's right. And being intentional with that and aware of it. Is, is, is key. Exactly. Exactly. And I think this is even a perfect way to even ask you and just hear your thoughts on the, the meaning of learn your way forward. Yeah. So learn your, that is, it's one of my, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things because I think it's how we can, can, can move forward, um, into new areas. And again, there's no way to know everything we need to know before we get started. So when I'm coaching people, what I'll do is say, okay, we're, we're going to get into the game and we're going to, we're going to learn from there. So to me, there's, there's really three steps. The first one is to take an action, an action that's, you know, you think has a chance in moving you in the direction that you want to go. So it's to take an action. The second thing is then to assess after you take the action, how did that go? So if you're trying to out a new skill, for example, you can say, okay, well, I gave that a try. How did it go? What did I learn from it? Um, did it work well? Or, or should I just say, I'm not doing that again? <laughs> right. But, and sometimes what we find is it worked a little bit, but maybe not quite as good as what we wanted it to. And that's okay too, because now we can say, okay, well in the future, because the third step is how do I adapt what I just tried? So, so that kind of sets us up for this continual cycle of learning and, and it moves us forward. So it's really those three steps, act, assess, and then adapt. And, and sometimes, you know, it's like, well, you know, it works fairly well and now I need to learn more. How do I bring in new information? You know, so, so there's a lot to it, but those are the three essential steps. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And th- this actually makes more sense now if you think about when people with technology, for example, could be early adopters, could be late adopters, some people could just be in between in the growth. And sometimes people just don't know it's happening until maybe a year later and you're like, that train passed like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So when you think about how people assess those things and they want to do it, but presently they are so preoccupied, how can they be able to develop that productive way of thinking about changing the challenges that create those uncertainties? Yeah. So when we're thinking about assessing our, our own per- performance, we have to get in the habit of observing ourselves in action, right? And a great way to do that is through reflection. So here's an example. Back when I was in my early 20s, um, <laughs> this is kind of painful, but whatever. Um, I, had, I, didn't go to high, I didn't go to college right out of high school. My parents didn't believe in it. So I, you know, I started working so I could pay my way through college eventually. And I had a bunch of jobs and I was always, I was always a high performer. 
but I always had trouble with my coworkers. And and I had just switched jobs again, and it was one it was one of those universe tapping you on the moment on, on the shoulder moments, because I had switched jobs, and I was thinking, oh, why is it that no matter where I go, I have these difficult coworkers? And it was like the universe reached out, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, "What's the common denominator, Bobby?" <laughs> and I'm like, oh, maybe the problem is me. And, and, but it was it was great because it was. I was a bad communicator at that point. My mom was loved her very dearly. She was a very aggressive communicator, and that's what was role modeled for me, and that's what I learned. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to become better at this. I want to become better at this because that's a big limitation. And so the practice that I put in place is at the end of every single day, I sat down and I journaled what interact interactions went well today, and why, um, and then what interactions didn't go well today, and why, and in the and this is an important part of this in the future. What could I do differently that would get me get get a different result in that case? Mm. And I did that every single day for years, and and that's how that, because when we start to journal, we start to see ourselves in action a little bit. Plus, it's so powerful when we think about the um, the future state. So, what could I do in the future? Because it's training our minds to respond when those things happen in the future. Yeah. So, so that's I think that's a big piece of it. So. Anyway, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. It makes sense. It now makes it look like what production you want to create is based on your intentional practice on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what what do we want to practice? What do we, you know, where do we want to get better? Yeah. And, And sometimes we don't know what we want to get better in until we get there and and it's 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 so weird like what do you want to do when you grow up oh i want to be a doctor and then 10 years later you're in real estate so you realize like yeah that happened so what you know but you you realize that that change only happened because you realized something mm-hmm. and, and very few of us are going to have a linear career right we're, we're going to make a lot of changes and i think i think that's good i don't think there's anything wrong with that and some people are like well does that mean I made a mistake before? No. It means maybe I'll just learn something new. New information came in and we made a change. Right. You know? Exactly. How do we know what we want to do when we're 60, when we're, in our, when we're 18? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, just think about that. I have no idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> really, if you actually come to think of it, there's no way you can think of it because you're not living that moment yet. So appreciate where you yeah. are now and enjoy those moments because that's what's going to help you when you're there. That's right. That's right. It all it all comes together. It all fits somehow. Exactly. I believe that. And this is something I would definitely want you to, you know, advise our listeners and our our viewers because on this We Don't Play podcast show, we definitely talk about inspiring, educating, entertaining, and most definitely using innovative products and services to create that value. And when we come here and we speak on topics like this, People sometimes are wondering, okay, yeah, another podcast. But sometimes people think, wow, I never thought of it that way because they didn't hear anybody speak around that topic in their circle. So it's it's like, what kind of advice now would you have for those type of people who feel stuck or just trying to make that one change? So when they really feel stuck. Like stuck um, in the mud. Yeah. So... A few things come to mind. 
Number one, it goes back to something I said earlier, increase the margin and white space that we have in our, in our lives. Because when we're stuck, if we don't have time to, to devote to it, it's really hard to move forward. So that's number one. The second thing I would say is create a practice of reflecting. And there are a few activities. So it's not just journaling, like dear diary, this is what happened today. Right? <laughs> it's, it's with intention. So some things would be, um, pop, and you could, and here's the thing, you could uh, Google um, journaling prompts for getting unstuck, and I bet you there's a hundred of them. But some things that you can do would be, um, what did I love most about my day today? You know, and why? Mm. Um, another thing would be, uh, what my energy today? And be really specific, you know, and why? Um, another one could be, um, if I could change one thing about today, what would it be and why? So, so just start that practice of reflecting and, and really commit to it. Now, some people like to journal last thing in, in the day. Some people like to journal first thing in the morning. Doesn't matter when, figure out what works best for you. If you really want to take that another level deeper, when you're done with that journaling, and here's, here's something really cool to do. Set a timer for 15 minutes. And, and your goal during that 15 minutes is do not let your pen stop moving because that forces our brains to get out of our way. Mm. Right, because if if we have all the time in the world, then our brains can start to edit. So set a timer for 15 minutes, and, and it's really from a science point of view, it's really better if you do not use the computer, like a pen and a piece of paper, and just keep that pen moving. Um, so so that's one thing that really makes it more powerful. The second thing is one, once that timer goes off, draw a line across the bottom of the page, which you just wrote. Reset the timer for 10 minutes, and now journal about. What were you feeling as you were writing? And, and those two things will help you kind of tap into something deeper. It takes us out of our, our head, so to speak. So, so that's the second thing. Um, oh, and here's another thing too. This was huge for me because back when I was 23, um, when, I, when I was sharing that story earlier, I realized that I was going to have a hard time changing my future or in my current circumstances, because everyone around me, we were all in the same boat. <laughs> we were all in the same, the same situation. And so I thought, I have to do something to bring in new information, because the answer is not going to be in this present environment. So find some way of bringing in new information. That whether that's reaching out to people outside of your network, you know, using your network to say, hey, you know, who do you know that I could talk to that? is outside of your 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 present network. Um, in my case, I moved because I'm like, the best job in town was working at a poultry factory, debaking baby turkeys. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure what I can do, but it's not gonna be that. <laughs> but so so some find some way to bring in new information. Yeah. And and then finally I'd say, just find the courage to try something. And here's the thing, by trying something, even if it's just like this was a few, gosh, this was a while ago. It was probably 10 years ago. I was kind of feeling like just kind of stuck, you know, just kind of in a malaise, whatever. And um, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take another cross-country ski lesson. And I'm, I'm going to choose to work on something that is hard for me to do right now. And it was so totally not related to why I was feeling stuck. I wasn't feeling stuck because of my skiing, but by doing something new, in something that I loved, 
it kind of opened up other worlds. And like, I've known people who are like, um, they take piano lessons or guitar lessons or whatever. Oh, I was actually talking to someone on my podcast. And he said, what he did is he, is he challenged himself. He, he um, took guitar lessons and made himself like go on stage or something, you know? And he's like, but it was such a great learning experience because it made him go through a fear that that courage that he got from that transferred to other areas. Wow. So those are some of the things, you know what I mean? So anyway, what did you think when you say wow? What The whole process of repurposing your paradigm shift is yeah. is something that people don't do because you wake up in the morning, you know you're going to use your right hand to brush your teeth. What if you use your yeah. left hand to brush your teeth? That actually has an impact on your brain if you've never heard about, you know, pathology and how you can be able to create that. So, it's not like I have to go to science school to understand this. It's like it's literally a, an, a daily lifestyle. So, if I'm if I'm afraid to use the roller coaster, then a, a three-year-old is so excited and a 50-year-old is like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. But, but, it, but it has such an effect on us, you know? Yeah. Here's, okay, this is, this is really strange. Um, but when you were talking there, it reminded me of when we, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but I grew up, it was rural. And we'd, we'd, I would love to go outside and play in the dark. And when it's really dark, if you look directly at something, you can't see it. Yeah. You see it on the peripheral, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that was always my thing, you know. And sometimes I think when we're feeling stuck, we're, we're staring right at it. And what we need to do is just shift a little bit. And I think that's probably why I like the guitar lessons or me with the ski lesson or it could be anything because we're not going directly at the problem. Just like when we were a kid, we can't, we can't stare into the dark. So that was kind of the metaphor that came to mind there. Oh yeah, definitely. It it makes, it makes sense. Even when you're driving, you know, you can see those things like blind spots. You can actually be like, okay, yeah, I should chill for a little bit. Like those two seconds is going to really make a difference. So like when you think about being safe, being sound, being mindful, being in your right space, it really helps you to actually clear your conscience and give you a clear path. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just clears it out for us. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm, I'm even wondering now, like, what are some of the key events in your life that set you on this path? Because you've given some really nice stories and I love the fact that it's those, it's those, it's those experiences that literally turn the, the mind shift into making you who you are today. So I would love to know some of those events that really like struck out the most to you. Okay. So uh, the one obviously is when I was 23, you know, that epiphany that, you know, going back to that place. Um, Cause I remember when I was 23 and I was thinking, how did my life turn out this way? And it was the epiphany I had was your life is a reflection of the choices that you've made so far. And what I found really hopeful about that was I thought, well, okay, so if I can learn how to make better choices, I can get a better outcome. You know, so, so that was one. Uh, there, because, and there's two others. The other one is when I was six, um, a speech pathologist came to my school and his diagnosis was that I had catastrophic speech problems. And that he told my mom, he's like, there's no way she's ever going to talk correctly. And my mom said to me when, when we heard that, she's like, we're not going to listen to him because you never let someone else tell you what you can or cannot do. Mm. And I just thought that is so powerful for me. And the other piece of that, because I was actually in my 20s. I mean, I did have bad speech problems. He was not wrong. Um, I was in my 20s before I stopped thinking of myself as someone with speech problems. But one of the things that happened, I think this is so important, 
is I get frustrated because I try to say a, a word. Like I couldn't say the word milk for whatever reason. Couldn't say it. And I get so frustrated and I'd say to my mom, I'm like, I can't say it. And she's like, no, you can't say it yet. She goes, but if you keep practicing, you will be able to. And then the third experience happened as in my late 30s. And um, I got really, really sick. I collapsed. I nearly died. Every doctor who has, who has seen my medical records since that time, they're like, we, I can't even believe you're alive. Um, I remember one time a doctor told me I, we'd just done some tests. And uh, he said, we're not going to redo these tests. And I'm like, well, why? And he said, because the results can't be right. And I'm like, okay, why? And he's like, because you'd be dead. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. And yeah. And, and one doctor even said to me, he's like, um, he said, Bobby, he goes, I think that based on what we think you have, only 3% of people will really fully recover. And um, <laughs> sometimes I'm a little slow because <laughs> my first question back was, okay, but when can I go for a run again? Because I'd always been an athlete. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Like you're already on he it. Looked at me and yeah, it wasn't getting it. And he's like, Bobby goes, I think that you might have to accept that your days of being an athlete are over. And I'm like, I appreciated his compassion, but I thought, no, I am an athlete. I don't know how long it will take. I don't know. I don't know how it will happen, but I will be an athlete again. Because when I heard that only 3%, what I really heard was 3% of the people have this figured out. How do I learn what they did? Mm. And, and that was, and it was, it was, uh, and, and to, to get all the way back to health, it was a, it was a 10 year journey. And so these are some of the things that I learned through all those experiences and, um, and, and I think it just keeps me going. It propels me in terms of, you know, how can I help other people? You know, it's, it's that classic. What, what did I need to learn and how can I help others with it? So yeah. those are the three big events, I'd say. Oh, wow. I, I love that, that, that mindset, especially when you hear responses from people. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, you suck. Oh, boo-hoo. Can you hear me? yeah i was like i was i was really saying like how people like like really put you down they like they cyber bullying now you know like you know there's right. there's so many things like kids are like what do i do this person said this and i can't see them but i feel some type of way and you're already like you're already taken back like 55 steps 10 steps like away from the goal that you actually intended to do but because one person said no, the other 7 mm -hmm. billion, 8 billion people in the world don't matter. <laughs> That's right. There are a lot of people in the world, right? And the beauty of it, here, the downside is there's always going to be those people. You know, I don't like your hair. I don't like you. I don't like whatever, right? Fine, whatever. Um, we the, the, the upside, the beauty is we get to decide who we listen to. And... If, if, I mean, it's not like, and it's not to be like, well, we don't want to have feedback because feedback's one thing. But if someone's intent is to put us down, why would we listen to that feedback? Mm. You know, if their intent is not to lift us up, why would we listen to it? Wow, that that definitely that. makes sense because now it's like, what's your validation for saying that in the first place? Right. Because some people, and I hate this, but some people feel better about themselves when they tear other people down. If that's their intent, that's what they're looking to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the people, maybe they didn't know any better. Maybe that's how they, they, they were raised. That's right. 
and you can't blame them for that. But I, I think if you're not willing to change your paradigm shift, your, your practice, your patterns, like understand that you have to grow in some things and probably compromise at some point to just say, okay, maybe I don't want to drive this 40 minutes, but I need to because it's going to help me figure out what I need to do for the next two weeks. You know, like yeah. you think about those events that are coming that makes you realize, okay, yeah, I need to take care of myself today. <laughs> you know, so, that's right. Yeah. Cause we have to take care of ourselves. You know, if we don't take care of ourselves, nothing happens. I mean, that was one of the things I learned when I collapsed because it was like, well, I can't do anybody any good now. I can't even get out of bed, mm. you know? And, and I think when you were talking to our favorite, I was thinking about, um, sometimes we have to set boundaries with people and that can be painful. Um, I remember back in my late twenties, early thirties, I had, she was one of my very best friends and, but she was one of those people like you were talking about. She had learned that she gets power when she tears people down. And, and finally I recognized that and I'm like, man, she's always, she's kind of mean to me. <laughs> like it didn't occur to me. And, uh, and so I, I had a conversation with her and I said, you know, I love our friendship and, and, and I love you as a friend. And we have to talk about how we relate because I can't respect myself when I allow, allow you to treat me with such disrespect. Mm. And, um, and, you know, we try and, and ultimately it was, it got to the point where she's like, well, this is how I am. And if you don't like it, I'm like, I, I totally respect it's the way you are and you get to be who you are. And then I have to make my decision from that. And my decision is I respect myself. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it, it, was, it was, it was difficult, but it was the right thing to do. Oh yeah, definitely. And for your sanity on top of it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel good, you know, but, but it's okay to make those choices for yourself. It's not selfish. I heard this definition one time. Selfish is not doing what you want. Selfish is expecting other people to do what you want. Mm, expecting other people to do what you want without asking. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So Right. So it's not selfish if we say, hey, this is what I need. That's not selfish. That's taking care of yourself. Right. You know, so and that kind of made me feel better back then when I was going through that. That's amazing. I like the fact that it's more so based on what you're offering people and how they perceive you. Because when someone thinks about you or when you think about someone, that dopamine effect can really go left or right based on how <laughs> you were treated to them or how like if some if if you see someone calling you you're like oh my goodness or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear it I didn't hear the phone <laughs> like I I wasn't close to my phone it was silent you know and it probably was but because I'm not so attached or focused I don't even care that's just negligible at this point so you yeah. you, you you realize that those focuses also play with how you play your day and who you're talking to. You know, people always say this, the five people around you really tells people who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And they can make or break your day and your energy. I mean, some people just give you energy when you're around them and other people, they drain you. That's, I'm a big believer in paying attention to our energy because it tells us so much about what we're doing and who we're around and, and how it's resonating with us. It is, exactly. And I think that point when you decide to make a decision and 
stand your ground and say, this is what I think. It, it may not have to be how you think about it, but because this is what I've seen and I don't see anything wrong, then your ethical values will now give you a check and tell you, okay, mm-hmm. is this going to make me better in three years or going to make me go back in three years? So you make those decisions. And sometimes that's why you make those decisions and you end up in those situations because <laughs> you made them happen. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, I think, you know, when you're talking there, it's like, I don't know how you are, but you can feel that kind of stuff in your gut. Mm. You know, we, we have fabulous intuition if we if we if we tune into it, you know, and and and, and really be, um, I don't want to say this is gonna sound weird, but tune into it and also like like question like why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Because when we do that, we can usually pinpoint why we feel that way, and there's a valid reason for it. But too many times we just say, oh, it, you know. I must be wrong. We do not pay attention to our intuition. Now, you've just mentioned about the gut, and I know that people don't probably even know this. Sometimes when you think about it, you just have to talk about it sometimes. And I realize people don't really know about the the brain, the gut, I think the heart, the connection, the connection mm-hmm. and how those play a role, especially when you're like, oh, my gut is telling me to do this. And then you, you, you do it and you realize, oh, yeah, that's why I felt that way. But some people don't even know the connection between those three. Yeah, it, but it's real. Um, and I think it was in that Healthy Minds app I mentioned earlier. They were talking about that. And I don't remember all the science of it, but they're very definitely connected. And like our gut has how'd they put it? Something like it's our acquired wisdom. It's things we don't even think about, you know? So, um, boy, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. You know, if you are, uh, I don't know, like, like I think about my husband with skiing cause he's so good. It's, it's, it's where it becomes intuitive. He doesn't even have to think about what's the snow condition or what's the wind doing. What's the visibility. He's done it so much that he can just trust it and go with it. And, and so it's like the, the, the wisdom that we've acquired and that we kind of own, I think that's where it kind of resides, but there's a, definitely a connection. I remember years ago, I was watching this. It was a, he was a former FBI agent and he was talking about intuition and how women in particular don't pay attention to it enough. And he said, like, I think he said eight out of 10 women who were attacked in some fashion had the, the, their gut was telling them you're in an unsafe situation and they ignored it. Mm. You know, and I thought, wow, that is troubling. It is. You know, we, we don't, we don't tune into it enough. It is. And now when you think about it and say that now it makes me wonder when you think about relationships and not leaving when it's time to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of one from the past. Yeah. We, and you know when it's time. You do. You know, but, but we don't often do it. You know, well, what made you think of that? I thought about that really because I was like, hmm, now it makes sense why sometimes you're doing things to please people instead of pleasing yourself first. And loving yourself first, you know, giving yourself that respect and becoming one with yourself. But sometimes you just you just give yourself a little slice and be like, yeah, you can have the other slice. 
and now we're sharing the same cake, but nobody's enjoying it because there's some there's a cake fight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, but we do that it, for a variety of reasons. And uh, I think sometimes we buy into the stories that other people tell us about ourselves. Um, but it's, uh, I remember back when I, when I was in the early 30s when I, I broke up with someone. And I was to the point where I really, I don't think I was really in tune with my self-worth at that point. Because it had been like this eight years of not, it was never abusive, but just, you know, put down after put down after put down. And you start to believe it. And I remember after we broke up, I went on a vacation. So I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 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 And I was worth celebrating. And I remember I took these these long walks on the beach every day. I'd go, I get up really early and I have my cup of coffee and a croissant. I'd go for a walk, and I had this most amazing epiphany. I'm like, because I was thinking about my life and, my, and things that I was doing. I'm like, wow, I really like myself when I look at myself through my eyes. And what I realized, I've been looking at myself through his eyes for eight years, and that gave him all of my personal power. And I thought I'll never make that mistake again. I will. I'm, I'm, I'm the judge of me, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to be the best person that I know how to be, but I won't give away my power that way again. That's deep. And, and people don't see those things when they're coming. They're like red flags, like beep, beep, beep. Like, you know, it's, (laughs) you you know, you need to move, (laughs) but it's like, nah, I'll see what happens, (laughs) you know? And, and, and you realize that if you just took that quick move, there's some things that you wouldn't be able to have achieved today because you missed a, a part of the puzzle. You missed that jigsaw. That's right. And here's the thing about it. I think those red flags, they become a lot more obvious in hindsight. And one of the things um, right after that breakup, I was talking to a coach because I'm like, okay, what? I must be attracting this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> because my friends were that way. And she's like, you are. I'm like, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> so what do I do about it? And, and one of the activities, I don't know if this will be helpful for your listeners, but it was incredibly helpful for me. She said, make a red, yellow, and green flag list. Think back on those relationships that were unhealthy. What were the red flags that now you can see? And then what would be yellow flags? And yellow flags are things that on their own, not necessarily deal breakers, but if there's enough of those yellow flags, that is a deal breaker. Mm. And then the green flag, that was my own addition to it, was what were the things that that are good? What are the things that tell me it's a healthy relationship? It was amazing because by doing that activity, and I probably still have that somewhere, um, it becomes like this. It helps you make those decisions more quickly and it helps you trust those instincts because now you've kind of documented it for yourself. So that that was just immensely helpful for me. I love that. It's very practical. Yeah, I loved it. And I had, I, I, my list was, it was bizarre at first. I had to kind of add it up a little bit. Because I'm like, okay, let's be real here. <laughs> but it was super, super helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. I think somebody should definitely try that. I would definitely try that too. And just think of, you know, what it, it, it some people get mad when you don't pick them, but you wonder why, yet you are not even there. <laughs> so yeah. it's like that ego kind of checkup. So I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? As far as why they get mad? I mean, yeah. Why do they get so frustrated at your decision when they were not even part of the process? 
I think because we, as humans, we, we tend to personalize everything. And the fact of the matter is, it's, often it's not personal. You know, it's just timing or whatever it might be, but we tend to, we tend to internalize it. And, and then what we do, we internalize it and we add to the story. This is where our brains are always telling us, you know, stories. We start adding to it and it's like, that has nothing to do with it. But we don't stop to say, how do I know this to be true? So we, we just keep adding to this, this bizarre story. Yeah. And that's what you said in the beginning. You mentioned about what your brain is telling you, how you're thinking, yeah. how you're processing that information. Is it worth my time? And if you give it the time of day, it's definitely going to show up in your, your stress levels, in your voice. Yeah. Well, here's a simple example that they shared. It was a woman and um, she was looking on Facebook and she saw that all of her friends went out to dinner and they were celebrating something. And she's like, why didn't they invite me? And so then she started going through all these reasons, all these stories about they didn't like her because of this and that and whatever. Turns out they did invite her and she didn't get the email. Wow. (laughs) She had worked herself up to all this stuff. It's like you just didn't see the email. You know, so that's our, our, we just have to be aware of what our brains are doing. Some people just don't know how to differentiate or have a balance mm-hmm. between overwhelming and over delivering. Yeah. What's the difference between overwhelming and over delivering to you? Now, I would say overwhelming is now you're exhausting the, the simple fact the simple yeah. brick, you're over, like you're literally exaggerating it. Not that it's not important, but it's not necessary. And then over delivering would be more so like now I'm giving you too much for you that you can't even chew it up, and you still need to swallow to grow. But some <laughs> sometimes you need to yeah. take those little bites first. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to the fire hose. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. Exactly. What do you think about those two when, when you think about delivering and how people perceive those two um, balances? You know, I haven't really thought of that too much before. Okay. Right now it's something for me to kind of chew on. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that too much. Okay. Okay. We can we can let that one go. And, and, yeah, and... let me percolate <laughs> that one. Yeah, because sometimes I think about it and it gets to a point where sometimes I'm even having like client calls and I, I listen and by the time I'm done explaining what, let's say for example, their website and I'm like, this is what is going on with your SEO. This is what you need to do. And I feel like I'm talking to myself cause it's like, wah, wah, wah. So- <laughs> right. Right. Cause I have a friend on clubhouse. Um, her name is Andrea. And she's like, whenever you talk about SEO, that's how she feels. But I'm like, I'm not trying to be that person. I really want you to understand, but some people do and some don't. I just, and, and I love it how she also explains it back. And it's like, you get it, but it's like in the beginning, it's yeah. like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes it does take a while for people to, you know, pick up on that, or if it's not their passion or their, or their genius, you know, it's like, okay, I know it's important, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this, this are the amazing conversations that we're able to have. And it, it definitely boosts our commitment to staying true to the people that we connect to. And that's what I love about networking. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Bobby. I would, I would definitely want people to know how they can reach out to you and you know what they can do to you know start a conversation with you yeah well thank you for asking so um a couple of ways my website is just bobbykaler.com 
and the I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn and I am on Facebook not quite as active there but any of those ways um, people can can definitely reach out and learn more about me and my, my my website I'm so excited it's going through a rebranding right now and I think the new one should be live maybe next week hey. that's exciting when you do that exactly <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> oh yeah congratulations thank you you're thank welcome you. you're welcome definitely you guys should tap in Listen to everything on this podcast. Take notes, rewind, make sure that you're able to connect because this information is not going anywhere. It's for you and you can apply today and don't start too late. Exactly. Thank you so much, Bobby. And I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.